Hi everyone, it's Matthew from the Real Sports Science Podcast. I hope you are all looking forward to episode 8 as we begin with our usual general updates. Furthermore, we chose to focus this episode on the paper of the week, which was an updated consensus on resisted sled sprinting. Are there benefits and what is the optimal load to put on the sled? Finally, we bring it home with two tips in our respected fields. So I hope you're settling down or either driving to work and you're looking forward to listening. Hello, everyone. It's David from the Real Sports Science Podcast here with Matt. Episode eight. Let's go. I love how you switched the intro just a little bit for that one. (laughs) I almost lost it. (laughs) That was so close. That was take two. We were were moments away from it. Take three. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, David. Suddenly, now that I've put the mic in front of my face... It's picking up so much better. I'm telling you. I don't get how you're telling you. All I see. We don't want any flybys. You've been doing flybys this whole time. I need to get better. I need to get better. (laughs) It is weird talking in front of a mic. Do you know what takes a bit? Like, I know I've got a big nose, but having this thing, I can't see the screen because it blocks out my. If it was red, you would look like a clown. Okay. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) uh... (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Yeah. We're back again. How are you doing on that note, other than just being called a clown? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was doing a lot better. Um, nah, yeah. I'm doing really good. Really good. Filming this one a bit later tonight, um, but the energy is still there. Energy's there. I'm already in bed, which is actually yeah. fantastic. Someone put out a Twitter, um, a tweet. Yeah. There you go. We talked about to school or not to school. I think that was the episode. I put the question to the listeners tips for someone starting a phd but also uh, the, any other degrees you know people starting their masters bachelors whatever any tips um because that's great to get that from people who are maybe a little bit further along and i just tweeted it out as well and i got a whole bunch of responses so i'm gonna just try to whip over to the twitter sphere really quick oh. um and just read <laughs> some of them were <laughs> some of them were funny this one person was like, don't start. <laughs> I was like, tips. So my tweet was tips for someone starting their PhD, question mark. Uh, one of them was, um, is it really worth your time, question mark? Jesus. <laughs> one is choose a good supervisor. Don't start. <laughs> Limit out. Uh, but but some of them were really good. And the main one was, well, they, I think there was two main ones was, um, take care of yourself like don't make it a hundred percent your life yeah and make sure you have good boundaries with it and like okay. kind of like leaving your job at your work and i think it's difficult because with your phd uh the good thing is there's lots of flexibility with it now this is phd specific um but also like when you're undergrad you can always do more work yeah yeah right like it's not like you go home and you can't do work or you know you can wait till Monday. You can always do more work. So a big theme of through a bunch of them were, you know, take care of your mental health and make sure that you keep leisure time, especially with sport, um, you know, and don't make the PhD or your degree your whole entire life and get consumed by it. Okay. On the other side of that, don't procrastinate, you know, like what you're, what, and we spoke about this a little bit of like, take advantage of doing it and don't yeah, just kind yeah. of float through. Um, so uh, there's kind of like two sides to that coin. Um, 
and and the second one was um don't compare yourself with others and don't compare your progression to others because the progression is going to look totally different and actually we had it i had a college induction today uh with the university or sorry with the sport of um the what what is even called ssehs or something school of sports and school school of sport and exercise health sciences thank you something like that (laughs) I don't even know what it's called. Can't wait to start my PhD. (laughs) And uh, they were saying, you know, in your six-month review, and if you're talking to other PhD students coming up with that, like, don't compare your kind of where you're at with someone else, because even if you could be progressing, you know, at at the same rate, but it looks very different. So don't compare yourself with others if they're starting their PhD or, you know, PhD is way down the line. Yeah. So... Those are the two things, and I think those both can be extrapolated to any degree that you're doing. Okay, that's good. That's so, good. I love love a bit of interaction. Um, it was great, man. I I was blown away by how many people responded to it, um, which is cool. So I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a bit more active on Twitter and make just a bunch of uh, connections and stuff. I, the other day, I found a paper that lined up exactly to what I'm doing with my PhD, so that was cool. And oh, I ended up awesome. actually messaging the guy on Twitter and asking him a couple questions about the paper. Yeah. And we had a good conversation about it. So that's, that's that was, awesome. that was really neat. Yeah. That's good to be fair. No, we love a bit. We love a bit of interaction. And as we said, last episode, we finally got a bit of interaction on the emails. Next thing we yes. need to do is kick off the Instagram. Get some, we have made, we have made Matt chief email officer, CEO <laughs> <laughs> of busy responding to emails, learning a lot though. I'm enjoying it. We got, um, first email and next thing you know we got a first podcast based on that email but that that will come soon I have to tease that in that's really exciting yeah um, i'm excited for that i'm excited to share a bit more about that as well next part sports news so i remember last week david we talked heavily about worcester going into administration the worcester warriors rugby team yeah we did sadly wasps rugby have now gone into administration as well so another premiership rugby team has gone into administration i remember we were talking about how there was rumors that it might have gone but yeah we can finally confirm that it has gone into administration which is it is really sad that's Um, crazy how does that how does that happen not to one team and not only to more than one team but like within weeks of each other and that's the thing like within not within weeks of each other and you you don't see it from any premier league football team or any nfl team it's just ridiculous and it's just i think the money's just not being put into the right places that is an extremely opinionated statement because i have no insight in insiders information or anything <laughs> so it's just from what i've heard word of mouth but um that was a huge hail mary i think it landed though yeah hopefully hopefully maybe landed somewhere but um yeah so <laughs> another team's into administration sad news sticking on to rugby England Rugby League have beaten Samoa in their first leg of the Rugby League World Cup. It, the score was 45. The, the people people um, assumed the score would be a lot closer or even Samoa were going to win. It was going to be a massive challenge, but England massive to shut them down really, really well, it seems. And um, Red What Ru- was the score? What was 40, the score? 45. 45 to what? As in like 40... England, oh, 40 and then to five, five Samoa, yeah, 40 to 5. I forgot that part. And in, More not to burst news. your bubble, but Canada did beat Japan 
Uh-huh. 41, 41 to 5. So There you go. There you go. So just one up on England rugby league team. Not a big deal. However, the Red Roses also had a massive. Uh, the Red Roses also had a massive challenge on their hands, going against France, who are one of the favourites to win the World Cup after England. In okay. an extremely well, third, then right. close game, because Canada's first. That yeah yeah Canada's first um, <laughs> of the others, um, but you know, <laughs> nah, but um, yeah. So Red Roses beat uh, France thirteen seven in an extremely close game. It was it that was is an, very close. I'll tell you what, it was an amazing game to watch, and yeah, the girls managed to keep the win. Played a, played That's awesome. A Canada game. also also won their second game twenty two to twelve. There you go. So, so with the last, with the next round of games coming up, Canada and England, I think, have secured their place in the quarterfinals. Is um, there a chance that they meet in the finals? Oh, possibly, possibly. I have to work some things out for, uh, behind the scenes. But if they do, get maybe, your stats. Get your stats yeah, guy on it. If they, if they do. Um, I'm sure we could have a little RSS podcast watch along or something where we both. That'd be amazing. Who's going to be Let's crying go, with Canada. joy or crying with sadness at the end of it? Um, <laughs> but yeah. Ah, oh. so great, great. So a heavy, heavy sports news on rugby. Um, yeah, I'm sure some I like other it. stuff. Football. Liverpool beat Man City one nil. There you go. Bit of football. There you go. Keep all the listeners happy. Well, you know what's important for rugby and football. What? Running fast. That is true. And we've switched things up. Last week, we didn't do a paper of the week, but this week, we're bringing you a bit more in-depth paper of the week. So we've done a bit of reading. What we're going to be talking about is resisted sprinting. Does it help? Should Should it be part of... Well, first of all, what is it? Yeah. Does it help? Can it be part of a good uh and program? So without further ado, let's jump into the paper of the week. Oh, there you go. What a what a great little spin-off that was, David. Well done. <laughs> um there so yeah, you. I mean the uh, uh, comment for team sports essentially and field sports such as rugby, American football, football. Um, is the ability, I mean, uh, you look at the needs analysis of those sports and the massive thing is the ability to run fast. I mean, that's one of the main yeah. reasons why I dropped out of rugby. I wasn't quick enough. Um, but yeah, no, the <laughs> ability what? to run fast is, is, is incredibly, is, is a massive advantage. When you're looking at that 1%, perspe- 1% in each sport, sprinting fast is, yeah. could, could make up a great one. So the pain yeah, the difference between getting around a defender, getting to a loose ball. Just you that know, one inch, yeah. I mean, it's ball massive. possession, yeah. And so, as as David mentioned, we chose to leave out the paper of the week because we thought we'd focus on this um, recent paper that just came out in the beginning or beginning of October, and it's the effect of different learning conditions during resisted sprint training on sprint performance. That ca- um, yeah, by can't remember who it's by. We'll shout them out at the end, but um, yeah. So. I think the reason why we wanted to focus on this is because obviously this is is a heavily researched topic, but I thought, you know, it's just a big thing. I saw it come online on um, the British Sports Medicine Journal and I thought, okay, what does this add? And a good thing that I learned in my master's and I'm sure you learned as well and you're learning in your PhD is, you know, you see a new paper that comes out and even though it's a heavily researched topic, you want to understand why they've done this. 
Um, and I'll just do a quick rundown. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a full text version of the paper. So this is purely no. based on the abstract. Um, I, I'm sorry, but RSS podcast, we haven't got any funds coming in that would allow me to pay £40 for a paper. But um, <laughs> You should have let me know. I could have gotten it. <laughs> legend. Contact. <laughs> contact. You yeah. would have got the author on this podcast to talk about their pra- paper. Yeah, I'd be sure. Um, So yeah, I'll just give a quick rundown. Um, So the aim of this study was to compare the effects of five loading conditions, 0%, 20%, 40%, 60%, and then finally 80% of the body mass during weighted sled sprint training on unresisted and resisted sprint performances and jump ability. So they got 60 physically active men. Take a breath after that sentence. (laughs) Grab a water. Spitting bars. Um, So they got 60 (laughs) physically active men that were randomly assigned into those five groups according to the overload used during sled sprint training. Um, All five of those groups trained once a week for a period of eight weeks and completed the same sprint program. Yeah. So obviously there's like one part of this I'd like to point out is resisted sprint training. You can use either weighted vests, sleds, uh, just weights, even parachutes to apply any sort of like air resistance, wind resistance as well. And... um, I I haven't, maybe we'll find out this answer, but I'm not sure which of those benefits is the best or or which of those um, techniques or or, uh, sort of resistance methods is the best. But um, this this paper focused heavily on weighted sled sprint training. And what they found was that there was a significant time times group uh, interaction for resisted sprint performance at 80%. However, the 40% group attained improvements in performance whereas 80% worsened performance. So the heavier load that was used was a lot worse than the 40%. So then it got me thinking right. maybe 40% is the optimal. Uh, optimal. So, so, so they, the percentage is how heavy the sled was pers- yeah. relative to their body weight. Yeah. And does it say... Um, so it can be specified to the athlete instead of just everyone doing 80% in general. Right. And from my reading, it's been it's been a big topic of what, what do they actually mean when we're talking about um, resisted sprinting? Is it like using a sled? Is it using a pulley system? Yeah. Is it lightweight? Is it heavyweight? And it's, it's almost now there's a lot of research, at least, at least in the couple papers that I've read, um, looking at the, um, Oh, What's the word? Uh, like the different prescription, because yeah. a, a big a big problem that I saw and that other papers and analysis talk about is, well, one like I think it it's good to talk about the difficulty of training studies, because ideally when you're doing a study you're seeing if A affects B, and to see if A affects B you can't have a and A1 and A2 and A3 that also might affect B. Does that make sense? So you have all these different things that might affect what you're measuring to see if there's a change. And the and and with some interventions it's easier, but then with training, especially if you're using ath- an athletic population that's probably doing a lot of training other than what you're implementing, it's difficult to see or to know or it's impossible to know. Um how much that one thing that you're looking at affects what you're trying to, your outcome measure. So mm-hmm. I think that's just 
off the top a good a good thing to note especially if you're looking at you know if you're trying to take away something practically after these type of training interventions and studies to understand that um yeah you have to understand the context that you're working in and the context mm. the context in which this study was done okay oh, so like so so other than you know them training whatever the intervention was what were they doing outside of that like were they standardizing what what exercises they did did they say you can't do anything over the next you know whatever 12 weeks however long the study ran or are they all doing the exact same thing does that make sense yeah no that makes that that makes a lot of sense and i wish like pu- pulling that point from you i wish we were able to access the full text review where they actually went we could go through their methodology and see what those 60 um, physically active men were doing from what it yeah. seems from what i could find it's they were doing the all say they were completing the same training program that was prescribed but maybe if once we once we get the full text review it states that um, however they were also participating yeah. in various sports or because any sort yeah. of stimulus even though it's unresisted if they're still doing rugby where they're doing high bouts of sprinting before the main training session mm. what i found in some of the papers that was that even though um resisted sprint training like sled training elicited significant increases in sprint performance the unresisted sprint performance still doing the same sort of five meter sprints 10 meter sprints but without any resistance still elicited some sort of advantages so maybe that would be a great great thing to pull up on um Mm. but yeah just just to finish on this paper so in yeah, zero percent no no it was it was a great thing um it was a great <laughs> point you made and so zero to sixty percent showed statist- statistically significant increases compared whereas eighty percent found nothing so it decreased sprint performance so too heavy um and they finally stated that with moderate loads i.e. twenty to forty percent have the most positive effect on unresisted and resisted sprint performance. And and what what was their um, their measure of performance? So it was from what I found, they calculated jump ability using the counter movement okay. jump. And yeah. from what I can see, it was a ten meter sprint. Sure. So a short sprint. Yeah. They yeah. timed it. So using light gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How fast? Sure. Yeah, and so that led me to think. Okay. I wonder what I so as I put, pulled up earlier I thought okay I wonder what um you know there's different types of training methods like a sled, sled or a, a weighted vest and a paper that I found looked at the effects of vest and sled resisted sprint training on sprint performances in young soccer players okay so and I thought this was a good population to use because young I saw that paper actually did you? so I'm glad you read that because nice. I didn't <laughs> oh okay it's a systematic <laughs> review and a meta-analysis so a lot of yeah. papers in there and I think I li- what I like about the paper is that or the the demographic they used is because it's a youth population they're very much um because this is sort of like their first stimulus you can see right. a lot of phys- physiological adaptations sure. um, that could come from it so that's just that's just my little quick thought towards this but um what was a point that was made was that the vest and loads lower than 20 percent of body mass were more effective than the sled and loads equal to or higher than 20 percent of body mass so mm-hmm. essentially saying that having a weighted vest instead of pulling um a sled behind you was more effective with 20 percent 
um, body mass, which was one of the um, percentages that was supposedly in the last paper optimal. So maybe yeah. there could be a thought of, you know, thought of maybe actually using a vest instead of a sled, essentially. Right. And this was during the acceleration phase zero to 10 meters, which right. was the same sort yeah. of distance used in the last one. Um, right. And I think what was another one? Um, so this was and and the the population was 139 participants. So it's quite a, wow, a that's big a lot. sample. That's, that's yeah. Nice to see. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a massive sample that you can get for some papers. But it was a meta-analysis, so it's comparing a bunch of studies as well. Um, mm. So I think that in in a full sprint, what they found as well was that resistance with lower loads than 20% induced a small reduction in full sprint phase time. So this could give us a thought that maybe actually having for the initial acceleration, it would benefit to have low load. But then when going to a full sprint, maybe having a higher load. And I'm not sure what you found in the papers, but I found some papers that contradicted to that as well. Right. Um, that actually they preferred having higher loads at the start and then lower loads when you're going through the maximal, like longer distance full sprint stuff. So I thought that right. was that was interesting. Um, so then, yeah, what 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 a paper did you find, or do you have any thoughts on that study? I know I went through it extremely quickly. No, that's that's okay. Um, it's this is such a difficult topic because, at least for, for what I'm finding, it's hard to wrap my mind around and kind of put different things in different boxes to understand what the literature's saying. I think. Because you can't just put a blanket over sprinting because it's such one, it's such a technical movement. Yeah. Um, and then and then are you looking for kind of your first your sprint start? Is that what you're looking to looking for? Are you looking for an improvement in your max speed, like your your maximal speed? Or are you looking for um the time it takes to cover a certain amount of distance? Like for example, a hundred meter run is is at the end of the day that what you're trying to improve. Okay. Um. So that I think it 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 led me to to kind of like this first thing is it's important to understand what your outcomes are, no matter no matter what you end up doing. And we've talked a bit about this as well in the in the culture, in episode three, is understanding your objective when you train and what are you trying to improve because that's going to help you then make like what you said exactly what you just said like maybe if you're looking to improve start speed or start force maybe you do lighter weights you know or whatever it is like even then you're showing some sort of like well it depends what we're trying to improve what's our objective and and so I think that's really important. Um, I think I found, I read a paper, it was a narrative review. So similar similar to that second one that you brought up. Yeah. So just kind of taking the accumulation of, of a, whole, a whole bunch of papers in this topic and then bringing them in to, to one kind of coherent narrative, which for me is great. Like if you're looking for, a starting point for a topic that you don't know that much about find a narrative review that's hopefully published within the last like five years There's just to make sure you have like at least some sort of 
a research that's not too outdated in it. And that's a great place to start. And what I found is, is the most important thing uh, um, was the sprint technique. And that it, again, it just depends on what you're training for. And it found that as soon as sprint technique changed, that there was a decrease in the outcome or the per, like the performance outcome. Yeah. Um, because sprinting is such a technical movement that uh, that as soon if you're looking for you know max speed time over distance as soon as your as your training is is changing the technique especially if you're working on technique you know specifically working on sprinting then as soon as the load is too high that it changes the actual technique of the sprint then it then it's deep it decreases any type of um uh, positive impact so so i found about 10 like about 10 percent actually of body mass was or body weight um was was kind of optimal another thing i found interesting and it it matches to what you're saying is the difference between a sled and a weighted vest and it kind of goes also back to your context um i wonder what kind of sled they used yeah like was it was it just like you know one of those sleds you load up with a whole bunch of weight and then they just attached a harness with a long rope to it true and i and i'm thinking if that's the case like if you're trying to run with that like maximally sprint you're not getting that's not pulling behind you nicely it's like jerking you around i'll tell you what you you bringing in that phd sort of thinking going into the depths of these papers thinking about their methodology <laughs> but you're right you're right in a way like especially when you're bringing where's in... where's like sorry so sorry sorry let me just finish this one thing so <laughs> sorry, sorry. the difference between that and wearing a weighted vest where if you wear a weighted vest and if it's not that heavy you might feel more comfortable running and then you might even get a higher training stimulus out of it because you can push yourself harder. You can, you know, run at faster speeds simply because it it's more comfortable and you're not getting that jerk from the, you know, the sled that's like yeah. behind you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, and you brought in the biomechanics of it perfectly. And I guess that's something if we ever have another biomechanic kissed on our podcast. We could talk to them about that. Like, what is the sort of the lever of having a longer or shorter sled? Do you understand? Like, say, if this paper used yeah. a longer sled that, you know, had a massive rope attached to yeah. it instead of like a short, nice metal chain, does that affect yeah. the sort of results or yeah. are we going too in depth on well, it? Well, this, this one did say that a longer rope is better. And I wonder if that just means a longer rope means you have more slack in it so it can maybe like yeah. smoothen out the jerk of the sled. Because I've seen them also do it with like pulley systems. Yeah, um, those are the new thing. A pulley, yeah. A, yeah, pulley system. Then it's even smoother and it allows allows it uh, to be yeah well less jerky because it's more smooth. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, David. Talk to yourself <laughs> through that one. Well, <laughs> uh, I think the last thing that I that I saw that was um, interesting. Uh, I have my notes here, so I'm just gonna try to pull it up. Oh yeah, it had to do with the technique again. And and that as soon as the weights got heavy enough or too heavy, what happened is it turned into kind of this is such a funny word. It reminds me of like the Lord of the Rings. Maybe it's just because I'm watching the Ring of Power right now. <laughs> but it's called groucho running. Oh yeah. Have you come yeah. across this term? No. <laughs> groucho running. It's a this That is, might be a good thing though. This but, is yeah. an educational term. Groucho. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird and, 
It means a greater forward trunk lean and running with bent knees. Kind of like how Scooby-Doo ran. Oh, wow. Not Scooby-Doo. Um, Gollum. What's his name? What? No, no, no. It's in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Shaggy. It's oh, how Shaggy oh. ran. Well, actually Gollum maybe too. I thought it was sticking <laughs> on to the Lord of Rings. Yeah, sorry. No, it's like how Shaggy ran, you know, bent knees and kind of a weird forward trunk lean. Uh, and as soon as the the got load got heavy, uh, that's what happened. And again, if you're trying to improve your sprint, because it's such a technical movement, you don't want to lose technique while you're trying to work on your sprint. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. There, there's a few other kind of kind of biomechanical or like running specific things like ground contact time is really important leg stiffness is really important like how much your ankle flexes when you hit the ground yeah and those all those all thing those things all change negatively so ground contact time got longer there was more range of movement in the ankle and knee which caused a groucho running when loads got oh, heavier okay. yeah so that goes back to technique and i've said that word about five thousand times <laughs> but uh, to be fair podcast. yeah so i think you made a great point there david about um technique so what we could see from this current paper the one we've based this whole conversation of is that when they had 80 percent of body mass and they used it it was actually there was no increase in performance and i thought okay maybe you know, I didn't even think about that. It actually ruins technique. But I remember seeing from a paper that actually too heavy, having a weight too heavy actually reduces the sprint technique, which then makes, I mean, what you're trying to work on just destroys it all. So it, right. that paper, what it adds to current research is the fact that 80%, that's too much. And another thing I'd like to delve into is the fact that this paper adds five more differential groups rather than the standard three groups that I've seen in many of the papers. I'm not sure which ones you've seen, but they've used either 5%, 10%, 20%, or 5%, 12.5%, and 20%, which is a paper I'll go into soon. Um, and yeah. luckily, I mean, this one, it may seem outlandish, but the fact that they've actually brought in 80 and 60% could give us new insights and it allows us to say okay that definitely doesn't work so there's no point us trying it and there's no point snc coaches actually using it because the research out there says that it shouldn't be used um, at least for not that specific context yeah if you're looking for that context yeah thank you right <laughs> um so and then one thing i wanted to delve into just talking about so trying to answer the question that we've thrown out there that is resisted sprinting using a sled you know, beneficial? And if so, what is the optimal sort of percentage you're looking for? Um, and I, found, I think this paper would help in answering that question. So they looked at the effects of resistive sprint training on acceleration. So this is having like zero, I think they tested different um, meters, they went up to 40 meters, but they broke it down to 10 to 40, 20 to 40 meters, 20 to 30 meters, um, which allows different wow. splits, which is really good. And they focus yeah. solely on the acceleration phase. Um, so they looked at 5%, 12.5%, and 20% of body mass, which you added to a sled. Um, I wish we had a conversation before this, because then I could look at what sort of sled they used, because you made a great point on the biomechanics <laughs> part. But um, So what they found was after a seven-week session, uh, after seven weeks, um, including 14 sessions, uh, significant differences between groups only occurred between the low load and medium load in counter movement jump, which favored the medium load. So if you're looking at jumping a bit, let's say, say for a basketball player, um, trying yeah. to sprint down the court and then jump, maybe you'd focus on the medium load given some sporting mm. context, you know? However, 
furthering on from this, sprint times in the 10 to 40 meters and 20 to 40 meters were approved in the low load, which is interesting because it, right. I think that contradicts what I said earlier, right? That they used light load for the yes. acceleration part, but like when it reached past the 20 meters, they used heavy load. Right. Which is 40%. However, this thought low load, which was 5%, was the best method for 10 to 40. And then the split of 20 to 40 meters, which is essentially when you're running upright and you're going maximally working up there. Um, yeah. And then time intervals in the 20 to 30 meters and 20 to 40 meters were statistically reduced in medium load. So, which I thought that's... It, it is very interesting. And I think, again, we have to go back to the difficulty that is any type of training intervention or training study because it's so hard to standardize what these people are doing outside of of the intervention that you're doing so maybe when you know the the people in that earlier one that that looked it looked like heavier loads are better to increase let's say like max velocity of sprinting right maybe or wasn't heavier but relatively heavy like it wasn't heavy but relatively yeah. heavier was it 20 percent? right mm. was it so so the heavy was 20 percent. yeah no right so 12.5 20 yeah yeah so 20 percent, and it looked like that improved max velocity when related to like lighter loads maybe you know maybe it wasn't heavy enough that it, it gave it gave a detrimental effect mm. to sprinting and outside of you know their their study they were doing more other specified sprinting skills. Maybe they were doing some S a really good S&C program to be able to generate more force, you know, yeah. or some leg stiffness exercises or whatever. And then so when they came back and did it, they showed higher max velocity. Um, um, sorry, just to, just to quickly butt in, one thing that um, actually was pointed out in this study is okay. that um, I'll go through their last results that they found and then they compared yeah. it to a study that... Um, so I'll just quickly run through. So it, to improve the initial phase of the acceleration up to 30 meters, loads around 20% of body mass should be used, whereas to improve high-speed acceleration phases, loads around 5 to 12.5% uh, of body mass should be preferred. Um, and this is contrasting to Spinks et al.'s uh, paper, they that which actually had eight weeks of resistance sprint training, two sessions per week, um, mm. with a load of ten percent of body mass, similar to the medium load group of this study, which was twelve point five percent body mass. However, the participants in that study did additional exercises such as football training, strength training, plus a match per week. So. That study was similar. However, the this study, the, the first study, sorry, um, yeah, yeah. actually didn't include anyone. So the first study, I'd just like to give them a name. Um, Mena, Bachero, <laughs> Mena, and Gonzalez Badillo. Oh, yeah. from Olavide wow, that well. University, Sevilla, Spain. I'll see them soon when I go visit there tomorrow uh, yeah. on Thursday. <laughs> but yeah, no, so so the first paper, the 5%, 12.5%, and 20%, they were strict, it seems, on oh, just good. keeping, you know, the, not doing any additional sure. exercises, where in contrast, Spinks et al. actually ha had them playing football. So I'm guessing they used football participants and they were allowed to continue with their additional training and right. matches per week. Um, but right. they And that doesn't mean similar. it's a bad paper. It just means yeah. you need to be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, just keep yourself notified of it. But yeah, no. Absolutely. So, you know, interestingly, I'd say 
what my practical applications from this yeah. would be is if yeah. I'm looking at a sort of at the acceleration phase, I look for low load. Um, and if I'm sorry, sorry, acceleration phase, so up to 30 meters or 20 meters, I'd be looking at high load. So when I mean high load, high I load mean meaning what? Yes, yeah, 20%. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I'd you're about to, to do, you're about to say it, and then I answered it or asked you the question. I was like, that was stupid. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, Let the yeah, man so speak, do, David. I do twenty percent <laughs> of body weight, and if I'm looking for sort of the high speed area, once you're reaching near maximal, so I say reaching yeah. forty meters, so maybe the hmm. thirty to forty meters, I'd be looking at maybe five point twelve five percent, and I guess that matches to the power exercise you see people doing in the gym. So if you're um, prescribing trap jumps you'd sort of put 10 kilos each side say if you're a rugby player 10 kilos each side because you're looking to elicit as much power as you want without decrementing the technique of the jump or you know right. do you get where i'm coming from and i think that's a point you touched Absolutely. on earlier with the sprint technique yeah so that's me done with papers um but yeah that, no that's great i like that i think the things that coming from not an snc side and i'm not in the gym and probably not, you know, I'm not also into a lot of SNC papers. So, but I think just generally, generally, um, when you're looking at papers, it's v- and and how then do you do you go from reading something on a paper in a journal and then applying that critically yeah. into a clinical or or practical uh, setting, um. I've said this millions of times. I'm actually getting sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's know your context. Yeah. You know your context and the context in which the paper and the experiment was done. Um, Just because, you know, just because it's not done in the exact same way or they didn't, you know, standardize for other exercises or whatever, doesn't mean that it's a bad paper. It doesn't mean that it's useless. It just it means that you need to understand how it was done so that you can know how it fits to your context. Oh, and the thing okay. is like heavy sleds, you know, somebody could listen to this and say, well, heavy sleds are bad. Never use heavy sleds. Well, we're, no, no, we're like, we're saying specifically for sprint performance, which, which is very technical. Um, maybe heavy sleds aren't the best thing, you know, but maybe you have a general person looking you know for a great exercise to do do heavy sleds they're great yeah i've done heavy sleds you know me too yeah. but so in know your context you know what performance improvements are you looking for is it for football is it for sprinting is it a 100 meter sprint 60 meter sprint are you looking for max velocity are you looking for decreased contact time whatever just just know what that is that's a um, that's a great point I think I just cut you off there. I'm really sorry. I just want to say that's a great point. The part of just giving context to everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that I would say. And the, and the last thing is, is knowing your training objective. Yeah. Um, so that includes who you're training, why you're training, what you're trying to elicit. Just know what you're trying to do. And that goes back to, you know, what we talked about in episode three. Is, is having the respect for who you're training to understand that and not just throw every, everything in the kitchen sink uh, at them, right? Yeah. Because you, you have a limited time at the end of the day with whoever you're doing it, whether it's an elite athlete or, you know, regular guy or girl who's trying to improve their fitness. Um, you have a limited time with them and you want to make sure that everything they do is for a reason, even if that reason is them enjoying it, 
right? Because yeah. that is a huge part of it as well. But so those are the things that I would would take away with uh, take away from from this paper. And then I would totally agree with what you said um, in in terms of kind of percentages when yeah. we're looking specifically at, at sprinting. Mm. No, that's a, that's an awesome, and I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'll tell you that. I mean. Just going through yeah. the papers with you, I said it last time we did this, I thoroughly enjoy it because you learn so much more and you get, we put both sort of spur on you more, but you, you know, bring out questions that are really insightful. It's so good. I was really looking forward to it because like mm. I said, I'm not, I'm not in the gym. I'm not really like, I'm not an SNC coach. Um, if, if it wasn't for you, I would have never read this paper. And now if yeah. somebody talks to me about, about sprinting and resistance sprinting, I'm not at all a professional i'm so far from it but i can at least have a conversation with them about it and be like well i've read one paper and listened to a good friend of mine who who knows a little bit about it more than me and this is what kind of we talked about and what we found and what we think um and i think that's great because any any knowledge is good knowledge i think a tip of the week which funny enough you said it perfectly during the uh-huh. during the part Thanks. before um so yeah take it away what's your tip of the week what's the tip of the week <laughs> it is oh i forgot and now i remembered um yeah <laughs> i was stressing there i was like <laughs> what is it <laughs> give me a second yeah yeah let me tell you something <laughs> uh it's if if you are looking for a paper on a topic that you don't know much about, but you want to get kind of an underlying understanding of what the research says and a lot about it, the first place I would go is a narrative review, a scoping review, a meta-analysis, a systematic review, any type of paper that has review in it. Yeah. Try to find one that's, you know, in the last five to ten years 10 is, I'd say, a bit old. Um, it's within the last five years, let's say, okay. depending on the topic. But sports science, let's say, in the last five years, yeah. um, because that's going to give you a good underlying foundation of what the research is saying, hopefully new research, and you're going to come out of that knowing a lot more and have a, have a good understanding broadly of the subject, and then you can dive in. It also gives you so many reference papers to dive in deeper to. Right, Almost. like that. That's the the narrative review that I had has hundreds, literally hundreds of references. That's amazing. So yeah, that's no, a, a great place to start. Awesome. Yeah. No, that, that. I mean, that would have massively helped me going through my masters. <laughs> 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 me too. Yeah. Yeah. But my my yeah. tip of the week, I thought I'd pull one, and I think well, we also mentioned it. I think you mentioned it actually during the sort of section before was a tip for S and C specific students or coaches justification of the prescription that you're doing for these athletes so just Mm. being able to personally justify it so that if any athlete questions it or any other coach questions it you know yourself that what you're doing has reasons behind it and evidence as long as you can justify it you're fine um and it kind that kind of it forces you to think about it doesn't it It forces you to go down deeper and be like hang on why do why am i doing this yeah and it forces you maybe to jump into the literature and actually find out and maybe it doesn't change what you think maybe it does yeah and and um, you never know you might learn even something even more and actually maybe stop someone from injuring themselves (laughs) through through what you're prescribing um and then the final section 
sorry, I've got no great tangent or great sort of spin off or segue to That's do okay. for this one. But the next one it's is late. Job of the week. And job of the week. I'll hit with my job of the week first. So what I found was um Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club is recruiting a lead SNC coach for the regional women's program. It's full time and it's really close to David in Loughborough. So I see no downside hey. in applying for it. All the real sports science people that need jobs are going to be moving to Loughborough. Yeah. I have so many friends. Oh, I'm going to come down as well. I might have to move up there. Maybe yeah. RSS will employ me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my job of the week. You can find that on the UK SCA website. That's awesome. Uh, for me, it's a little further south, but not that far from Loughborough, actually. It's the University of Leicester. Um, so a whole 15 minutes south of Loughborough. It's a PhD, actually. Um, in advancing the understanding of multiple long-term conditions and people living with diabetes. And actually, Leicester has, uh, does a ton of diabetes research, and there's a lot of good research coming out of Leicester uh, it, within diabetes. So if that's wow. kind of the direction that you're looking to go, I think Leicester would be a great spot. They have a conversation with some of their uh, professors. I've had one conversation with one of their professors yeah. um, who's a physio, so not, not in diabetes. But, but it was great. He showed me around a really good guy. So if he's any indication of what the University of Leicester is like, uh, it's, a, it's a good one. So That's definitely check that out. That was on Jobs and Sports Science uh, on Twitter as per awesome. usual. Awesome. Yeah. Lovely. Well, there you go. Start taking what a great chat. That was, that was amazing. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I, As, totally I say that one. after every podcast, but I, I really do mean it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. It's, it feels like it's annoying yeah. to keep bringing it in, but yeah. we're not lying here. We're just speaking yeah. the truth. Yeah, so, so before we end, a um, couple exciting things. Uh, next week, we episode nine. What are we talking about, Matt? We will be talking about the UCL Gravel championships cycling championships which was a great topic which was thought about that one email we got from dane yeah from dane so dane thank you for that we're really looking forward to that next week episode nine and also about how how training might differ between road riding and gravel riding does it differ We'll find uh, honestly, out. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to finding 100%. out. 100%. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the research and then also us two sort of questioning each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. Um, episode 10. Oh. Guest number one is coming on. Nice. I tried doing a drum roll. Drum roll. My mo- drum roll. <laughs> finger taps. Finger taps. Finger snaps. <laughs> we're getting our first guest on. We're so excited. But we're not telling you who it is. Not yet, at least. Nah. So. So Check out the Instagram to find out who. Num- which brings me on to number point number three. We have an Instagram, right? Ooh. So we're going to be getting all this on all of the socials, so you're going to know. But it is. I'm going to pull it up so I don't get it wrong because we only have one chance at this. You got yeah. one shot. Do not one miss your chance shot. to blow. This opportunity it. comes once in a lifetime. Yo. Hit him with it. <laughs> All under all all caps doesn't matter, does it? It's the real sports science podcast. No spaces, no nothing, no periods, no dashes. The real sports science podcast. You'll see our picture there. Follow us. I'm not gonna lie. We'd love to see you there. If you have any questions, DM us there directly. 
Can you find it? Did you? Are you searching it? I'm literally typing down the name of the Instagram right now, and I nearly asked you live on air, what's the password? Um, but we'll save that for afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> after this podcast comes out, it will probably, by then, I think we'll have some content on there. Um, Hopefully, yeah. I, I've got some good yeah. ideas. Um, but yeah. So looking forward. So to yeah, it. follow follow along there. We'll hopefully have lots of lots of content, not only specifically podcast related, but other cool things as well. So I'll keep my. Um, I'll probably be more social on there as well. Stick to my social media because David has been carrying nice so hard right now. So my, my <laughs> I'll stop picking up the pace and keep picking up the slack. Um, no, but you're the CEO, right? Chief email officer. <laughs> there you go. I always <laughs> wanted to be a CEO. <laughs> yeah, take us out, Matt. This has been the RSS Podcast. We're out.